Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Janet. Gosh, follow that, eh? (laughs) What a build-up. Gosh. (laughs) I hope you're not going to be disappointed. (laughs) Well, if we're going to be traditional, then we start with the scripture reading, you see. John chapter 16. John chapter 16, just a few verses. Though I have been speaking figuratively, can't get the words out, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on on your behalf, no, the Father himself loves you. Because you have loved me and have believed that I come from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you didn't even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. You believe at last, Jesus answered. But a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered each to his own home. You will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart. I have overcome the world. When uh, Leon approached me to 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 have to, to share in this series, um, I had mixed feelings. Um, it's been a little while since I've inhabited the platform, and um, uh, someone said, "Oh well, it's like riding a bike. You'll be all right." The brief is the brief is to um, to talk about an event or a happening, a film or a, or a book or a person that really inspired you. And I, I I just kind of turned it all over in my mind, and in the end, I decided to do both: to talk about an event and to talk about a person. So, hope your lunch is on low. Seriously, um, should be okay. Now, the event I'm going to to tell you about is an incident that happened to me quite a long number of years ago now. I first told this story, strangely enough, on the very first morning that we met in this place in May 1986. The platform was the other end, and um, I was the preacher for the day. And uh, this little story I told then. I won't embarrass you by putting your hands up and say who was in the meeting, but I think probably six. <laughs> six. To, to, to understand the context of the story, you need to know a little bit about me, really, because perhaps. Uh, because I've been in the background for a while, you won't know. 
in a former life, uh, I've, I've been retired now 20 years. God, 20 years. In a former life, I was a bank manager. Before the days that uh, they were persona non grata. <laughs> and I can tell you, I never did have, in the whole of my career, any bonuses anywhere approaching a million pounds. <laughs> I don't know where they were, but they weren't in the NatWest, I can tell you that. But uh, God was good to me in my career, and um, some amazing things happened. Some amazing th- events took place, and he really led in my career. And, and because I, I, I really, not for particularly about my own um, abilities, but because I, was, I did reasonably well, I was able to take early retirement. So I retired from banking when I was 50. Love to do that now, wouldn't they? And and came here um, with Margaret, of course. But Margaret was already here doing toddlers. But we were able to give ten years of our life to work in the church in, in the days before we were, we could afford to pay staff. So I came and looked after the money and the and the accounts. And Margaret, you may remember, managed the coffee shop. So that's the background. And what, what I wanted to do, what, the only reason I wanted to say that was because the event that happened on this, that I'm going to tell you about, was all part of that. I was working in the city of London. Um, we just moved there. I, when I say we had just moved, we hadn't moved. Margaret and Sally and Helen were here in Hales Owen. I was in London. In those days, when you got a job, in banking, you went, and probably your family didn't go for four or five months afterwards. We'd chosen to live in Chelmsford in Essex, and it was a dark, wintry night, and I was on my home, I was catching a train, I caught a train from Liverpool Street Station, and we were out somewhere in the wilds of Essex, thundering towards Chelmsford. And I was feeling pretty desperate, down. Now, let's get this right. I knew that God was leading us as a family. I knew that the the career move I'd taken was the right move. But that didn't stop me feeling, what's going on, Lord? What have I got into? What have you put me into now? You know, all those feelings, all those doubts, all that horrible feeling. I was feeling really, really, really down. can't say anything spiritual like I prayed about it. <laughs> I think I was probably angry more than prayed. I was shouting at God really in my thoughts saying, what have you done, Lord? It was a horrible night. It was a commuter train. It was crowded. The rain was coming down. It was freezing cold. But I did what a lot of people have, have, have done. Have you done it? I expect you have. What would you do if you're sitting on a train? The windows are all covered in condensation. It's raining outside. What do you do? You you're right on it, yeah, okay. But you certainly rub a little hole, don't you? And stare out of the train. And there it was. A huge notice in red neon lights. Take courage. Now, 
you have to be a Londoner to understand that that's the beer in those in that area. But uh, that that for me, that for me, was a wonderful event. It, it it really lifted my spirits at that time. It wasn't a spiritual thing, was it? It wasn't God standing up in the cloud shouting down, but it was an event that really mattered. Take courage. They're some of Jesus' favorite words, you know. They're up there, those two words, take courage, they're up there with verily, verily, I say unto you, which is also one of his favorite words. Matthew 14, verse 27 says, when, when, when he came walking across the water to meet his disciples in the boat, they were really afraid, and he said, take courage. There was a man lying on a mat in Matthew 9, verse 2, who was sick. And Jesus said to him, take heart. Same words, really, different translation. Take heart. There's a woman who pressed through the crowd when she'd had a hemorrhage in her body for years and years and years. And she needed to, she needed to know the touch of God. And she pressed through the crowd and she reached out. And she touched the edge of his garment. And his words to that woman were, take heart, daughter, take courage. So it's what Jesus' response always is when we're feeling like I was feeling that day. And that inspired me. And it's, you know, it's been, it's, it's, stu- it's stayed with me all of those years. And it's a long time now. But you just remember these things, don't you? When God uses natural things, ordinary things, just to lift your spirit. It inspired me. That isn't, we aren't finished now. You can't go home yet. We, there is another story I want to tell you now about a person. A person also, I believe, of great courage. And his story you'll find in the book of Philemon. Tricky to find Philemon. You might need to look in the index. I always do. Easier. It takes one page. That's all it takes. One page. I recommend to you, if you've got time when you get home, or sometime during the day or the week, just take time to read Philemon. You can do it in a sitting, ten minutes, quarter of an hour. It's not, it's not a tough, tough thing to do. It's just a lovely story, a story of courage. Now what's the background to this? We're in about the mid-60s AD, about 60, well somewhere between 61 and 65 AD. Paul the Apostle is in prison. It's more like house arrest than prison because he seems to have had a a certain amount of freedom. He probably had um, a Roman soldier handcuffed to him all the time, but he he could do things. He was surrounded by people. Mark was there. Dr. Luke was there. Demas was there. Epaphras was there. 
I hope you're remembering these words. Tychicus was there. More about Tychicus later. And Onesimus was there, who was a runaway slave. Now, Onesimus had run away from Colossae. That's a long way from Rome. It seems that he'd stolen some money from his master. He was a slave. He was in service. He was an educated man. He was probably in his late teens, probably about 18, 17, 18, 19, something like that. He'd run away. He pinched the money. And somehow or other, we don't know how, he got himself to Rome. He may have known about Paul because Paul had been and preached at Colossae before. And so he may have known about him by reputation. But somehow or other, he gets into the company that knows and hears Paul the Apostle. And he has a wonderful salvation. Comes to God. Finds his faith. Gets saved. Great. He then goes to work for Paul. And he becomes the, the person who, who is writing all of these letters that Paul is writing. Onesimus is the scribe. There are four, at least the, the four epistles that we know were written in this time there. Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Philemon. What's it all about? What's happening? Well, you remember one of the people that was there was a man called Epaphras. Now, Epaphras, I hope you can follow all this history lesson. You, you are still with me. Hang in there. Hang in there. It's, it gets good, I can tell you. Epaphras was the pastor from Colossae, and he was worried. He was really worried about the church. And that was what he'd come to see Paul about, because the church was getting into all sorts of bother. The church uh, was having doctrinal difficulties. There was something about in the early church called Gnosticism, which had invaded the early church. And they were really, really, really bothered about it. And so Paul had it in his heart to write to them to set matters in order. And that letter is the book of Colossians. Now, I don't really need to read this, but I'm going to anyway, because I just can't pass it by because it's such a wonderful bit of scripture. It's not really to do with what we're, doing, we're talking about today, but I just can't pass it by. I just need to read it because it's so great. The way Paul handles this is masterly. He doesn't go along and say, what you're doing is wrong. All he does is tell them that Jesus Christ is supreme. And in, you can read the words in verse 15 of Colossians 1. But what I'm going to do is when we read this, I'm going to change the, the personal pronoun he to Jesus. And see whether it, what it does for you. It always just lifts my spirit. Verse 16 says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, 
All things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. Jesus is before all things. And in Jesus, all things hold together. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. And Jesus is the beginning and the firstborn from the, among the dead. So that in everything, Jesus might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. And through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven or making peace, through Jesus' blood shed on the cross. Now, doesn't that kind of really make it live for us? So that was the letter that Paul was saying. But, you know, in those days, in AD 61, whatever, there was no such thing uh, as royal mail. Where's FedEx when you want them? Do you remember the film um, Castaway? <laughs> Do you? <laughs> Tom Hanks? He was the FedEx man whose plane um, crashed into an island and he kind of had to survive over a period of time. And he went through all sorts of things. And the final scene of, of the film is when he's delivering his box. The mail, the FedEx mail must get through. It's, 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 uh, well, Tom Hanks is Tychicus. Because that's who Tychicus is. Tychicus was the FedEx man. He was the man that was going to take these letters. He was going to take the letters and Onesimus. Now, we don't know for certain whether all the four letters went in the same bag. We do know for certain that three of the letters went in the same bag that Tychicus had. And the letters were Colossians and Philemon, which we're going to talk about in a minute, and a lost letter that we don't know what is to the church in Laodicea. If you read Colossians chapter 4, verse 16, he talks about, it says, when you get these letters, make sure you read them to the church in Laodicea and also listen to, the, to their letter that they have. And we haven't got that one. So that's fascinating in itself, isn't it? But they're all going in the bag. And Tychicus and Onesimus are sent by Paul. Now, Paul has a great relationship with Onesimus. He takes the trouble to write a very special letter, the letter of Philemon, to this man. It's called Philemon because it's addressed to Philemon. Philemon was a, a, a rich man who had once been uh, the person who owned, because we're talking about slavery here, you see, who owned Onesimus, from whom Onesimus had run away. And he lived with his wife, Appia, in a big house in Colossae. And the Bible says that, uh, that the church met in their house. Didn't have buildings, you see, in those days. It was, we're talking about AD 60-ish. And so the, the church met in his house, and it's a plea, really, to Philemon on behalf of this runaway slaves. He says, 
Paul says to him, he was useless to you. The reason he says that is because it's a play on his word, his name. His name is Onesimus, means useful. So he, he say, he, what he's saying is he was useless, but he can be useful to you. But what he's really saying, and what, what the, the underlying message is, he's really saying is, Onesimus needs to face the music. Don't you know, when we get saved, when we come to faith, when we know the Lord, God deals with our sin. But some th- sometimes there are things that we need to go and deal with and sort out. And we need to just put them right. And that was the situation that Onesimus was in. He was a young man who had found faith, who had come to Christ, but he'd got stuff that he needed to sort out in his life. He was a runaway. He'd stolen. So supported by this lovely letter from uh, Paul, he's, I believe, with great courage. You see, if he was a runaway slave, there'd be a price on his head. If he just turned up in, in Colossae and was spotted, he could have been arrested. And the penalty was as, uh, could have been even the death penalty for running away, especially if he'd been stealing. So he was, he was a, a really brave chap. And the young man had obviously got to Paul because Paul said, he is my very heart. He is my very heart. And he appeals to uh, Philemon to accept him, to take him back, not as a slave, but as a brother. It's a lovely story of redemption, isn't it, really? Here's the man of God saying, he's gone wrong, put his sin down to me, I'll pay his debts. Does it ring any bells with you? I can stand in for him. It's, it's the story of redemption. It's, it's a story of amazing grace. I'm reminded of John Newton. When I, whenever I say the words amazing grace, it, 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 it comes back to me. And some say that Paul at this point, in saying, uh, take him back as a friend, not as a slave, was taking a, an anti-slavery stance in the early church. It's probably one of the first times that uh, anyone has ever done that. Because they just accepted slavery. But Paul, you say, taking back. When I was working in London, on the end of the road, I worked in Lombard Street for a while, at the end of the road, there was a little church called St. Mary Woolnoth, and I used to love to go and sit in that church uh, at lunchtime. And on the wall, there's a plaque. And the plaque is about John Newton. In fact, it's his epitaph. It's the same words that's on his grave, which is in Olney in Buckinghamshire. And the reason it's there is because he was the pastor there. He was the rector there from 1780 to 1807, St. Mary Woolnoth. And another person who was in the congregation at the time, who was one of his members, was a young parliamentarian called William Wilberforce. Now, he was friends with another parliamentarian called William Pitt. And these were staggering, 
times. It's not a, it's a lovely little church, but it's smaller than this. I bet you probably get 150 people in. And I think, gosh, small church. Terrific influence in the anti-slavery movement. Um, I don't know whether you can rely on Wikipedia. I did look it up on Wikipedia. I don't know whether you can rely on it. But it says that at the time that John Newton was rector of St. Mary Woolnoth, there were only two evangelical Anglicans in London, and he was one of them. You know, I can't. Whether that's true or not, I wouldn't like to say. But he was a terrific force for the power of God. And of course, he wrote the words. He'd been a slave captain. He wrote the words to Amazing Grace. And these are the words of his, in, his own epitaph that's on the wall there in that church. It says, Once an infidel and a libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had so long labored to destroy. What an epitaph. That's John Newton's epitaph. Well, we know the journey was successful. We know the letters got there. How do we know? Because we've got them. <laughs> but there's more. Did, did I say, oh, I think I did, that he was probably about 18, 19, something like that. Fast forward 40 years. The year now is AD 102. Who is the bishop of Ephesus? Onesimus. Onesimus is the bishop of Ephesus in 102. That is staggering, isn't it? So here, now, this is the point I'm trying to make. The courage of a, of a young man inspired, goes back, paint, faces the music, but he's got a terrific future, hasn't he? Think of the hurdles that he would have had to have overcome to, uh, to rise from being a runaway thief and a slave to becoming the Bishop of Ephesus in 102. I can see a lot of it, uh, Onesimus in me, and in, uh, I expect you can in you, really. We've got stuff in our lives, and he can inspire us, can't he? And we can know that our future can be glorious too, if we really trust in God. So what was the brief inspiration? So what inspired me? An incident on a train when I really needed it? That certainly inspired me. I knew I was on the right track. I knew I was doing the right thing. But, oh, the doubts. My wife and my two little girls, one was ten, one was five, were back here in Hales Owen, and I was on my own. frightened, scared, scared witless. But God said, take courage. That inspired me. And the courage of a runaway slave who um, was prepared to deal with his past 
and went on to a terrific future with God. When I was researching uh, this, for this talk, I knew I'd, I, I knew I'd t- told the story about the train in May 1986. And I thought that I had a tape because um, in, those, in those days the meetings were, well, they still are taped, of course. Uh, and I, r- I remember it was given to me by um, trying to say, Michael, Michael Harbour trying to say, you know, you know it's, a, it's, a, it's an in-joke. <laughs> that was Michael Harper, he used to say, trying to say all the time, because he had a, he had a stutter. And he gave me this tape, and I listened to it the other d- the, the, a few weeks ago, and I discovered that the tape I've got isn't just of the preach, that's in fact, is not the, that's the probably the, the worst bit of it, really. It's a bit pompous, I thought, when I re- listened to it again. What, what struck me when I listened to it again was, flipping heck, you had some side on you, mate. <laughs> I was 44, so don't laugh, Leon. That's, I, was only, I was two years older than you are now. <laughs> but what is, what is special about that tape, and the, the, it cr- frankly, the, the production is chronic, it, fades and it crackles and all that but you can hear the worship you can hear the people worshiping you can hear some of the songs you can hear um, Cynthia Cole came up and asking us to take our shoes off our feet because this place is holy ground you can hear the song that we sang on our 30th anniversary actually introduced may the fragrance of Jesus fill this place and it's it was it was it was it was really wonderful really you know sometimes these 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 moments in history you can hear Brian Cole thanking people for putting up plasterboard last night you know stuff like that you know it's it was really 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 good i'm hoping to get it um transferred onto a cd and some of the crackles taken out and perhaps we could li- some of us could listen to bits of it But what, that's what inspires me, really. Just that God will intervene, even when you think that stuff is completely wrong. He's always there. He never lets you down. I'm just conscious. We, we, I know we're having special prayer meetings tomorrow and next Monday. Uh, uh, the enormous task we have of, uh, 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 in, the, in the building project, and it's a, a ginormous a ginormous task. The message on that morning in 1986 when we first, on our very first meeting in this room was take courage. That's what it was. Take courage, Zion. God knows what he's doing. And I would say, humbly, that it's still the same. He doesn't change. That's what he's saying again. Take courage, God. It's going to be all right. I wonder if we could just stop now just and just just stop uh, ourselves and just think perhaps close your eyes just think where am I in all this am I in a situation like that where I know I'm on the right track I know I've got my eternal 
issue sorted. But sometimes their doubts, they do come. Can we take inspiration from God's word today? That he will intervene in our lives. He will be there for us. He will lift our spirits. We will get through. Father, thank you that throughout all of our lives, you've been there for us and you've lifted our spirits and you've done things. You've used natural things, you've used the scripture, you've used events in all sorts of different ways. Thank you, Lord, that you're always there for us. And we hear your words now sounding down through the years again. Take courage. I have overcome the world. Amen. Amen. Thanks, David. Why don't we stand together?